0: This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at riverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Well, good morning, River Church. It's great to be back here with you online today. I hope you're doing well. Uh, do me a favor. Please remember to fill out that digital communication card you see linked uh, below. Uh, It just helps us connect with you. So whether you're new here or been a River Church member for a long time, we want to serve you well, uh, pray for you, and and just love on you, right? So help us do that, right? Help me help you uh, fill out that card. If there's anything we can do for you or any way we can pray for you. Uh, It just just helps us to know what you're going through and how we can love on you well, okay? So uh, fill that out for us today. And um, we're actually going to be continuing uh, in our series, End of the Night, that's all about thriving in the valley. Um, (laughs) As we've been walking through this series, it's been kind of a journey of pain, hasn't it? Like you've got... Israel's exile. We've got Job's terrible day where he loses so many things. We've got David on the run from Saul. And last week we talked about Jacobed as she had to give up her son Moses. Um, and next week we're actually going to finish up with one of really the greatest valley moments of all time. Uh, but today we're going to take a look at some of the words of Paul. And if you know a lot about the life of Paul, he was a man who definitely understood uh, the valley moments of life probably more than most. And so Paul's going to give us some really practical and helpful advice on how we can respond to life's valleys uh, and just some of the most difficult times in life. And so let me jump in here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 9. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, he starts off with this idea, hey, whether life is uh, hard or easy, whether it's good or bad, stressful, you're on a mountaintop or in a valley moment, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And if you're going through kind of a valley moment in life, that's not really the beginning you're hoping for, is it? Right? That's not really the starting of some advice you'd probably be looking for. Uh, I remember or thinking back to my childhood and teenage years, I've never been a very good morning person. I, I wish I was, um, but I've always just been more of a night owl. And I remember being a teenager and waking up on you know school mornings or whatever. And my goal was to just get to the shower without talking to anyone, right? Like I just wanted to get there, get get you know wake up in the shower, right? That was my routine. I wanted to get there without talking to anybody. The problem was my dad. My dad is the super morning. Person, and so he was like enemy number one. And so, walk into the shower. I try to avoid Dad at all costs, right? I would walk fast, look at the ground, make no eye contact, try to look like you know angry, so no one would talk to me. Uh, Because you know, if 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 I didn't, you know, something terrible might happen. Like my dad might try to talk to me, you know. And I can still hear him in the morning. It's like, good morning, son. Hope you slept well. Good to see you. And for me, that's like nails on the chalkboard. I you know I can't believe he would want to try to do that, right? The last thing I wanted was some chipper, encouraging, morning person talking to me, you know? And some of you guys can relate to that because you're like me. The rest of you, you can't. You're that person we are trying to avoid. Um, and that to me is what these opening lines of this passage feel like, right? Like you're struggling, you're going through a hard time, and it's like, hey, rejoice. Life is good, you know? And we hear that, and we know it's right. We know it's good, but it's the last thing that we want to hear in a valley moment, right? Like, it feels like somebody talking to you who doesn't have a grasp of reality or doesn't really understand or have a clue uh, what's going on around you and in your life. You know, they're going, rejoice, it's all good. And you're like, dude, you don't don't have a clue what I'm dealing with. You don't have a clue what I'm walking through. But if you notice, Paul says this, but he doesn't just say it once. He repeats it, right? He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Like all right, we get that. But then he says it again. Again I say rejoice. And we go, what's he doing here? Like why is why is he repeating that? Well, he's repeating it because Paul wasn't some crazy person without a grasp on reality. It's because what he's saying is important. It's because what he's saying is key for Christians and he doesn't want us to miss it, so he repeats it. And so in the valley during a COVID-19 or difficult moments in life, he says it's important to worship. He says it's important to rejoice. It's important to praise God in those moments. And we hear that and we go, well, why? And I know maybe that seems silly to ask why. You're like, Mike, you're not supposed to ask why, but but why? I think the answer is found when we look at the rest of the verse when we keep on reading. He says in verse four, rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again, rejoice. And then he says, let your graciousness be known to everyone. And here's the key. The Lord is near. So why do we worship in the valley? Why do we rejoice in the valley? Well, it's because the Lord is near. Like, what what does that mean for us as Christians It means everything. And and it's a constant theme in scripture, like David in the Psalms talking about going through difficult times, but the Lord is near, right? I'll never leave you or forsake you, right? What, What does it mean? It means in the valley moments, we're not alone. It means we're safe. It means God is faithful. It means we can walk through the storm and know He's with us. It means Jesus is enough no matter the circumstance. And so Paul says, rejoice, praise God, celebrate, because the one who has the victory is near. Because the one who has conquered death is near. Because the one who's conquered sin and shame and guilt through the cross is near. He's, and he's not just near, he's with us. And nothing can defeat him. And he's, he's with me and he's with you. And so Paul isn't giving us some empty words when he says rejoice always. He's not saying, hey, buck up, buddy. It's going to be okay. He's not saying have a positive attitude. What he, no, what he's saying is rejoice. Look around. He's with you. Even in the valley, you have reason to rejoice because God is near. And so what that means for us even today is sometimes we need to just worship. Sometimes in the valley, we just need to praise God. And, and maybe for you that morning to this morning, that even means you pass by the worship set a little bit too quickly. And when this video is done, you need to rewind and listen to Christian and Hannah again and worship with them again. Get in the presence of God and be reminded he's he's here, he's near, he's close by. Paul moves on in verse 6, and he says, and don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You know, through this series, we've talked a lot about worry versus trust, and I think one of the reasons why it keeps coming up in Scripture is because it's such a common thing and struggle in our lives. And so it comes up here again with Paul. He says, hey, don't, don't worry about anything, right? Now, we hear that. And again, it makes Paul seem a little bit crazy, doesn't it? Like, like, don't, don't worry ever. Like, what if my house catches on fire, Paul? I'm not supposed to worry. Like, don't worry ever. Ever? And it seems like this impossible standard that Paul has for the Christian. And, and we read that again and we go, How? How can I never, ever, ever worry about anything? And so um, I want to kind of maybe frame that a little bit. And so I found this letter uh online that I want to read to you guys that I think maybe will help us understand a little bit about how to deal with worrying. Let me I have it right here. And uh it's it's kind of based on a dad who comes home and he finds this letter waiting on him from his son. It says, Dear Dad, it is with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing to you. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to, to avoid a scene with mom and you. I've been finding real passion with Stacy and she's so nice, but I knew you wouldn't approve because of her piercings and tattoos and motorcycle and because she's so much older than I am but it's not only the passion dad, she's also pregnant. Stacy said that we'll be very happy though. She owns a trailer in the woods and she has a stack of firewood for the whole winter. And so we share this dream of having many, 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 many more children. Stacy has even opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana doesn't really hurt anyone. So we'll be growing it for ourselves and trading it with other people in our commune for all the drugs we can get. In the meantime, We'll pray that science will find a cure for all her diseases so Stacy can get better. She sure does deserve it. Don't worry, Dad. I'm 15. I know how to take care of myself. Someday we'll be back to visit so you can get to know your many, many grandchildren. Love, your son, Josh. P.S. None of the above is true. I'm actually at my friend's house. I just wanted you to know that there's worse things than my report card that's sitting on my bed. Dad, let me know when it's safe to come home. (laughs) see life's about perspective, right? when it comes to worrying and in times in the valley, I would start off by saying, sometimes we need to gain a little perspective. some things are worth worse than others, some things are worth worrying about, and others definitely aren't. <laughs> so when it comes to worry and anxiety, we need to start there. now, you might say, but mike paul doesn't paul said don't worry about anything, not just the stuff that doesn 't matter he said don't worry about anything, so how do we get there um, well there's something interesting when you study the word worry in the Greek here in the Bible, and the idea that they have for worry means to have a divided mind, so to worry means you have a, a divided mind, and it 's like these two parts of your mind or brain that are battling against one another for dominance, and so like it 's like this you have This this two sections of yourself that are just divided against each other. And so the imagery is actually that you're being pulled apart into different pieces. There's this battle going on in your heart and mind that's just pulling you apart and separating you. And I think, you know, if you've ever had a real struggle with anxiety or even depression, you've probably felt that. And you know what I'm describing pretty well. And I I think Paul nails it on the head here because he's saying, hey, don't be pulled apart. Don't don't let this battle for your mind and your thoughts uh, and And the things that you meditate on. Don't let it control you, right? Instead, what you need to do, and if we go back to the verse, he says, instead, use prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, and give it over to God. Let God control your mind. And so when this battle is raging war on your brain, and and when you have these different parts of you that are worry and anxiety that are battling for control over like your physical body, like it's up here, but it affects your, your entire body, right? Like like the things that start up here affect us physically. Like that's why when we get nervous or anxious, like our palms, they start to sweat, right? It, it's it, It's things up here affect us physically. And so Paul says, hey, instead of fighting this battle alone, let God be the king of your mind. Let God be the king of your thoughts. Let him be the king of your body. And so he says, give him control through prayer. So prayer come to him. He says, petition, which means tell him what you need. Give him your worries. Give him your anxieties. Tell him about them. And he says, through thanksgiving. Why? Because we need to be thankful for how he's provided for us before, which reminds us, man, he can do it again. And when we do that, when we give it over to God, when we allow Him to be the king of our thoughts and mind, here's what He says in verse 7. He says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now we read that and we go, wow, God says that when I do this, He's going to give me a peace that surpasses understanding and and like, uh, yeah, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Like how much in times of valley moments or difficult seasons in life do we just need peace? But the next part's actually my favorite part of this text because he says it's a, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And he said it will guard your heart and mind. What does that mean? What that means is God is being active. It's God not being a passive God, God being an active God on your behalf, guarding your heart, guarding your mind. That means God is battling for you. It means God's peace is standing at the front of your heart and mind and he's defending you and you have all these these places of life and anxiety coming, fighting for control of you, fighting for control of your mind, fighting for control of your heart. And if we're honest, when we're doing the fight by ourselves, oftentimes they're winning, they're beating us, they're defeating us. But God says, come to me in prayer, come to me in petition, come to me with thanksgiving and let me defend you let me defend your heart let me defend your mind and i just i love that idea i love that idea that god is fighting and battling and defending me up here and he's defending me right here because i need that and so in the valley when we start to worry first we need to go okay is this even something worth worrying about is this is this worth giving my mind power to and if it's not then you just need to you know forget about it but maybe you go yeah mike this is a this is a big one man this is a this is huge like yeah i need to worry about this but then you need to stop what you're doing you need to go to God in prayer you need to let him hold your mind captive you need to let him take those parts of you that are at war and let him be in charge of them and as you seek him in prayer he's going to fight on your behalf he's going to defend your mind and he's going to that peace he's talking about he's going to bring you peace and so Paul continues on and he says, rejoice, come to me, let me defend you. And all the while this is happening in verse 8, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. He says, Christians, dwell on the good, dwell on the pure Dwell on the truth. How how man? How relevant is that? Dwell on the truth. Focus our minds on these things. And I think, you know, for me, in my view, ninety percent of the battle for our minds is is in the valley is is comes down to what we meditate on, what we think about, what we focus our attention on. You know, Psalm uh, 1914 even says, uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, my rock and my redeemer. You know, isn't that interesting? May the meditations of my mind or my heart be acceptable to you. Have you, you ever thought about that recently? Like, God, are the things that I'm meditating on in my heart, are they are they acceptable to you? Is that okay? It's interesting to think that, right? That God cares about what we meditate on. Why? Because it impacts us, and it impacts our impacts our relationship with Him. And I don't think we can think on, meditate on junk and expect our minds to be healthy, positive, and strong. I, I just don't think that's a realistic expectation. And, and I'll say this, too. I think that stuff, some of the, the things that we can meditate on, some of that junk— it can become a, a demonic battle right because we are constantly in spiritual warf- warfare don't don't forget that right what we meditate on what we think on it it affects us spiritually right and so we, we, you know, I encourage you to do things like, hey, take a break from social media, stay away from the news sometimes. Right? Like that that's part of guarding your own heart and mind. But the active part of that for us is not just ignoring things and negative elements, but focusing on thinking on the good things. There's, if you know, we're all big Office fans at our house, um, the show The Office. Um, and maybe you've seen John Krasinski, he has a show on YouTube right now, uh, and it's called Some Good News, right? S-G-N, Some Good News. And he just shows clips of good things that are happening in the world. And I love it. Every time he posts it, I check it out. Like there's, they did a wedding on it this week. It was awesome, right? Um, I, I love it. And and you leave it encouraged, you know, a little teary-eyed maybe. Um, you leave hopeful. Um, but more importantly, you, you leave reminded that there's good things happening in our world, and and we need that in our meditations. But I would say, as Christians, uh, and really everybody, we don't just need cute little encouraging videos. And that's, I mean, that's what those are, right? They're cute, they're encouraging videos. But after a day, the effects of it's kind of worn off. We need something deeper than that. We we need to meditate on the truth of Scripture. We need to meditate on the truth of who our God is. We need to meditate uh, on on the truth of who Jesus is. And as we meditate, think on those good things, it's going to uh, uh, build up roots of confidence in Jesus and who He is in us. What you feed will grow, and what you starve will die. And so we need to starve out the bad, the impure, the e- and we need to feed the good in, in our thoughts and our meditations. We need to feed those truths. So... Focus on, meditate on, think on the good, the pure, the truth. Let that grow in your mind and stay away from the junk that poisons your soul. So Paul says, rejoice even in the valley because God is near. When you worry, pray, let God fight for your peace. Dwell on the good and the pure, not the bad. Because there's always, when it comes to Jesus, man, there's always more good than bad. And then he finishes with this in verse 9. He says, Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Do you you see that? He says, do. It's active. It's action on our part to participate in this. We, We hold some responsibility. What does he say? Do. He says, do what you've learned. Well, sometimes we're learning on the job, so to speak, right? Sometimes in the valley, we, we maybe we are, we've learned because we've experienced valleys before and we take that experience into this experience, or, or we're learning, which means sometimes walking through the valley well is something that we're learning in the moment, right now, on the job, right? Dealing, learning how to deal with worry well, learning how it's, it's, just, it's something that takes time. So maybe you've learned it before, maybe you're learning it now, right? He says, put into action what you've received. And when I hear that, it takes me to the thought of the Holy Spirit. The the Holy Spirit that's given to us by God when we become Christians. And it's this uh, that that enables us to walk in these moments, that encourages us and equips us. It's God's Holy Spirit that empowers us. And so I, I would say, walk in what we've received in the Holy Spirit. And then he says, do what you've heard. And seen. Now, when I think of her, that's testimonies about God's faithfulness and seen. That's that's Paul saying, "Follow my example." Right? You've seen me walk through this. You've seen me go through valley moments. Follow my example. I've told you testimonies about it. You need to remember those testimonies, and you need to follow my example. Right? What that means in the moment, in the valley moments, is that we need to be around, talk to, hear from, watch people who do this well and people who have done it well right and and you, you know you know who you don't need to be around right now is the anxiety ridden freaked out person who thinks the sky is always falling like get away from that person because they're not walking through this well you know who you do need to be around is the battle tested christian who has walked through the storm before, relied on God before, and can testify to you about God's faithfulness, and maybe even someone that you've seen walk through the battles of life, you've seen walk through the valleys of life, and you go, I know, man, I can follow that person because I trust them to walk through it well. And I want to maybe even give you a shocker here, but some of you who are watching this today, you are that person. You're the person that we look to as an example of someone who's walked through the valleys of life well, and it's your testimony, it's your story that encourages us, and it's your story that, e- that helps equip us to walk through the battle well. So don't you forget that. You need to tell your story. You need to encourage. You need to walk well so that we can see your example and follow it. And for some of us, maybe you're like, well, that's not me, Mike. Like I wish it was. Well here's what I would say is maybe it's maybe once we come out the other side of COVID-19 or maybe it's other valleys in life I believe maybe you will have become that person you'll be testifying about God's goodness and how he helped you in the valley and how you were able to walk through it well because God was with you so maybe you haven't done it before but you're able to do it now and God will use you to be an example for people who watched you while you were doing it and then for people who come behind you and hear your testimonies or your testimony about how you walked through it. So don't be discouraged, be encouraged because that can be you. Walk well. So we hear these words from Paul and we go, "Man, that's that's pretty impressive and that's a high calling. <laughs> but Paul, how do you how do you know it'll work?" Well, because it Paul lived it. As he's writing these words to us, he's sitting in a jail cell, pinning them so that we can read them one day. And that wasn't the only time he was in jail. There's a time, one of my kind of favorite stories about Paul is when he was in Acts chapter 16, he gets arrested because he cast a demon out of a teenage girl, which you're like, he did something good and he gets arrested. That's just the way the world works sometimes, right? You try to do something good and it backfires, Um, And so he's sitting in jail after getting arrested for helping this young girl, and he's with a guy named Silas. And so they're sitting in jail, and they're praying and worshiping Jesus. Now, again, walking the walk, right? What are they doing? It says they're worshiping. So in the valley, they're rejoicing. Again, I say rejoice, right? They're lifting up God because what? They know he's nearby, and instead of worrying, how are we going to get out of here? What are we going to do? I can't be in jail. What am I going to do? What are they doing? they're praying they're meditating on the good they're bringing their worries to Jesus in the moment and so while they do that the bible says that god sends an earthquake uh, it rocks the jail and their chains are broken the bars are broken they're they're free they're free to go <laughs> but instead of running what they do is they hang around and they talk to the guard after he kind of wakes up he got knocked out by the earthquake <laughs> and they end up leading the guard and his entire family to Christ. This guard and his whole—the Bible says his whole household. So that's servants, everybody. They become Christians. And you know, I don't—I don't really feel like getting arrested, but I will say this: What if people see Jesus and us, like that, in our valley moments? Like maybe they see the way we walk through the valley and how we rejoice in the valley and worship God in the valley and go, oh man, I want, I want that in my life. Maybe they see how we, these moments come where we should be worrying, but instead we pray and petition Jesus and we live with thanksgiving, and so we're able to walk in confidence in the valley, even when there's unknown around us and people go, I want to walk in confidence like that in my valley moments of life. And they see how we deal with anxiety and focus on the good, and they go, oh, "Man, I wanna, I wanna be like that." <laughs> And then they talk to us and see the way we live our lives. And they say, how are you able to do that? And they see that the reason why we're able to do that is because of the soul-saving, life-changing power of Jesus Christ who gives us the confidence and the ability to live like that because He is our foundation. He is our rock. And then maybe they see that and they go, man, I want to I wanna know that, Jesus, man. I, th- I think that would be pretty cool. And I also think that's not just some crazy idea, but I think that could be your story. And I think that could happen to you. And maybe you're watching right now and you're thinking, I don't have that. I want that. I want to know that Jesus. I want to experience that Jesus. I want to know that God. Well, I would tell you, you can today. <laughs> you can give your life to Him today. You you can become a christ follower today, and you can know and live in and experience that life-changing power and presence and peace that I've been talking about throughout this entire series. Not just today, this entire series. And if that's you, I would encourage you to talk to God right now. Pray to God right now. Tell Him you want to give Him your life right now. And, I would, and then I would encourage you to fill out that communication card that I was talking about at the beginning so that we can connect with you. I can pray with you. I can talk to you. And I can walk you through next steps and connect you in a way that will help you in this relationship with Jesus that we're talking about today. That would be... Such a privilege for me. So do it, do it. Give give your life to Jesus today. River Church, rejoice in the valley because God is near. When you worry, pray, make your request known to God, be thankful, let God fight on your behalf, let him defend your mind and your heart. Dwell on the good and the pure never the bad, because there is always, when it comes to our relationship with God, there is always, always, always more good than bad. You hear me say it all the time. You're probably sick of hearing it, but the worst thing that could happen to you (laughs) has already been defeated by Jesus, and that's death, because even in death, we get heaven. And I know you don't want to die today, but even then, we still have hope. And then do what you have received, heard, and seen Follow someone who's living this by example. Let them get around you and be someone who is living this example. River Church, I love you. Don't forget to fill out that communication card. We want to connect with you, pray for you, love you well. If you're watching this and there's anything we can do for you, we, we want to know and serve you. So please fill it out. We want to be a blessing to your life. And check out those great online resources at theriverdfw.com where you can find great kids resources for home worship and articles and blogs to encourage you and help you and where you can worship online with us through your tithes and offering. I love you, River Church. And I will see you soon.